0: Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're two Modern Mamas with a goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder.
1: And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and mama to Bear and Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We are so happy you're here.
0: Hi friends, Laura here. I am so excited to announce that the Modern Mamas podcast has joined forces with Paleo Valley. If you've been following me for long, you know that I absolutely love and appreciate their products because they've been such an important part of my journey to health. And then also now Evie's journey, especially with her first foods. Our absolute favorite in this household is the grass fed organ complex. We also love the beef sticks and their brand new turkey sticks and take them with us basically everywhere we go on all of our travels. Some other of our favorites include the Organic Super Greens, which are great for smoothie bowls or smoothies, or just taking down the hatch right as they are. We love the grass-fed, non-denatured whey, the superfood bars, which are loaded with collagen, and um, I cannot wait to now try their new Essential C Complex. Don't miss out. You can get an awesome deal. Just head to our show notes for the discount code and link, and try them for yourself. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy! Enjoy! Hello, friends. Hi. Happy whatever day you're listening to this. (laughs) Happy podcast day. Uh, Happy podcast day. Um, It's Laura. That's me. And Jess. That's me. That's you. (laughs) And we are here for another one of my favorite episodes to record. I love these catch-ups. So we're basically here just to catch up, shoot the shoot, and give you some updates. And then also we'll answer a couple of listener questions that have come in since our last update um, Jess and I officially now have squeezed each other in person and that was magic. We got to go to Minneapolis. We got to learn all the beauty counter things. We got to connect with the wonderful women we've had on this podcast, like Cassie and, um, who else? Liz Wolf and Diane and Elena. I mean, everybody, we had so much fun and we connected with new friends that we're going to have on. And, um, like my friend Adina who lives in New York and she's a she has, she's a competitive power lifter who has a six month old and she's going to come on and share her story. And then we're probably gonna have R.C. from Rubies and Radishes come on and she's a mama and all the things. So anyways, it was really awesome. So like cup filling and Evie was there and she got home and was just so happy after that trip. And I think it was just, it was powerful. It was very powerful to be someone, especially for me, someone who comes from a background of like, I live with all guys in college. I never really had close girlfriends in my early adult years I had like girlfriends in high school you know but then I don't know that's just the way my life was and so to now feel so connected and have to feel like I have such genuine female relationships has been very kind of life-altering for me in many ways so that's my jam um we had so much fun and it was so
1: good to squeeze you (laughs) it was I and it's so funny because people like asked me how was it I'm like it was it was awesome but it was also like very Normal. I don't know if that's the right one. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, like you're exactly like you are on camera on the podcast. Like there was nothing that wasn't real, you know, like I expected you were just like how you've always been. So it was really awesome. Like there was no, to me, it wasn't awkward. Like it was just kind no. of, like, oh, yeah.
0: From the first hug. it was so funny too, because I shared a room with RC and the first day we got there and RC had been gone all day doing things. And then it was just Evie and I, and we had I finally like taken a bath with her and like, we were ready. I was nursing her and had my computer open. Like I was wearing a t-shirt and like boy short underwear. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my boob out nursing Evie. And then all of a sudden the door opens and RC and Liz walk in <laughs> and, and, uh, I had never met Liz in person. And I'm like, how do you feel about the fact that the first time we ever hug, I'm wearing underwear only. (laughs) And she's like, you know what? It works. She's like, it totally fits. So that's the kind of comfort that I felt with these people that we've met through social media. And it's amazing how those relationships can be so real and raw when you actually meet in person and you can feel so immediately comfortable with someone. So, and then our first hug, we hugged. I immediately like just put Evie on the ground in your hotel room, and then Jess is like on the floor with her, playing with all the lipsticks, and it was it was magic. My it heart was just happy. so happy. So it was the um, best. And we haven't really had much of a chance to connect since then mm-hmm. because life is just go go go. Um, so this is really fun to get to sit here and look at your face, and I yes. wish it was in person. But and you mm-hmm. guys, we had lofty goals to record in person, and it did, did not
1: happen. happen. We were that like, yeah, we'll so do cool. a catch up one. Maybe we'll get one in with Liz, and it's like. Pfft. There was no time for that. I mean, it was good because we were being present, like, in the moment, in the surroundings, in the environment. Like, it was great. It was just – it was it was necessary to be with the people that we were with. And
0: and then when we weren't doing, act, like, the beauty counter stuff – well, even I – there's a lot of things we couldn't go to because I had the baby, and so we got to explore Minneapolis a lot. But I know you were go, go, go. And so literally when we didn't have – when there wasn't things going on, we would just like plop on the grass and sit in the sun and just enjoy each other's company or have a, have a glass of wine or whatever. We didn't really want to do work type things, which yeah. this is obviously fun, but it's still a work type thing. Yeah. So.
1: And we also have plans to actually, mm. for me to come out to Santa Cruz, um, hopefully in the next uh-huh. like m- month or two, which is going to be, it's going to be work too. because we have, Lots of goals for the podcast and for some things that we're working on for you guys, but it's also going to be like so much fun, yeah,
0: just quality time. I'm so excited! I'm going to treat it like a staycation. Let me show you all yeah. my favorite thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I cannot it's wait! Be great.
1: So fun. Well, so let's do updates. Um, yeah. what is new with you? Let me think since the trip. So the trip was awesome, I'm sure you guys. Well, maybe you didn't follow along, but it was amazing. We got to do a lot of stuff, meet a lot of people. We just talked about that. I'm, like, going back in my mind, replaying. Um, right. I think I think we're going to do another episode on Beauty Counter, so I won't, like, go too in-depth into it, but um, that has been an amazing thing that's been happening in my life recently. Like, um, just growing a team has been really awesome. And so that is a huge thing when I'm not working – Full time, eight to five with Arasti. Like that's what I'm waking up early in the morning to do. That's what I'm working on at night. Been a little quiet on the blog front, just trying to figure out how to balance everything. Um, and so, hopefully, getting back to the like creating content and stuff soon. Um, another big thing is this my my skin little guy here. Um, Laura can see me on video. Um, but recently, and not to be like a Debbie Downer, but this is real life, but, um, I had something on my face that I was concerned. So I'm really moley. Um, and then I had something on my face that kind of like looked weird. And of course I messed with it. And so it looked even weirder. And I was like, okay, my vanity, <laughs> it's, I'm almost 35. And I was like, crap, I need to go to the dermatologist because this thing on my face, um, that people can see. Meanwhile, I have like, have had moles my whole life, um, so anyways, my vanity took me to the dermatologist and, you know, I was kind of expecting them to say something about, you know, all of the moles that I've had my whole life. And instead, there was a little, there's a spot on my chest that just popped up like four weeks ago. It doesn't even look look like a mole. So, you know, just for all of you people that have been watching your moles, it can come up in unexpected places and look very different. Um, for everybody, but there's a spot on my chest. Long story short, they had to do a biopsy on it, Um, and so I'm waiting for the results. Based on our conversation, I think she's the dermatologist is pretty sure that it is basal cell carcinoma, which is um, the most common form of of skin cancer. Doesn't make it any less (laughs) cancer-y, I guess is is the word I'm looking for, but um, it is fairly common, and actually skin cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the United States. So, um, something I have been working towards being passionate about in my youth, I was a lifeguard like every summer between 16 and like 22. And I was definitely of the mindset, like, let's just get really burned. And then I won't have to use sunscreen all summer. So, um, for like probably six or seven years of my life I just didn't wear sunscreen in very intense sun and I'm also there's a genetic component to this particular type of skin cancer and so just learning that from the dermatologist and it's kind of like definitely a no better do better type of thing so I'm just like ready to shout it from the rooftops like safer sun protection wear hats and like physical sun barriers like all the things and I'm just like super animal attentive about it. My family is already annoyed, even though of course they're concerned and they understand and they're looking at me with this spot on my chest and they're like, okay, I get it. It's real to me now, but like, I'm like, no, put away the copper tone. Here's like, I will give you beauty counter. I don't care. Um, and so anyways, that's, what's going on with me (laughs) waiting for those. Yeah.
0: It's such a, it's
1: such a frustrating, I guess, industry for lack
0: of a better word. And that like, typical sunscreen is a huge part of the problem.
1: Yeah.
0: And you know, obviously you didn't wear any sunscreen, but Mm -hmm. then I wore all the sunscreen. I've already had two of those cut off me off my body in areas that weren't even in the sun that much. And so, and it's just from like, you know, I put sunscreen on all the time as a kid. And so I think there just has to be a happy balance of the right sunscreen for the right amount of sun time. I think some sun, bare skin time every day is awesome. But then obviously once you hit like 20 minutes, 15, 30 minutes, depending on your skin tone, it's time to put on a safe sunscreen. Um, because the sun is such a beautiful thing. And I think we have like, there's so much fear around it, but I think so much of the problem is also the wrong kind of sunscreen. And we could we'll talk about that. I think we'll probably dive into a lot about sunscreen in our beauty counter episode that we have coming up, but I'm just glad you are so in tune with your body and so aware of your skin these days that you notice something right away and, like, you are so proactive. I think that's huge.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And that's, like, just more part of the message is, like, if something looks weird, like, Mm -hmm. it probably is. And for me, this showed up. I thought it was a bug bite. It was, like, it's, like, red. It's itchy. And I was, like, okay, it's a bug bite. And then I'm watching it and it doesn't ever stop getting itchy. And I'm, like, okay, what's going on here? And so, yeah, I just... I probably could talk about this for 30 minutes, an hour or two, um, but yeah. We should do an episode all about sun. We should. Honestly. We really should. Because yeah, like you said, there the sun is a powerful, positive thing, but it's also, mm-hmm. you know, it, like everything. You have to respect it, just like the yeah. ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And um, it's weird and interesting to me because skin cancer is on the rise. And thinking about all the different factors of why. Like, why is it on the rise? You know, we're talking about the toxic sunscreen use that people think is protecting them, but could be, I mean, we know is part of the problem. Um, Talking about environmentally, like the protective ozone layer, like what's happening there? Like, is the sun stronger now than it was 50 years ago? Like, because of all these environmental changes. I don't know. It's a very complex problem, I think. But I think I highly recommend the book. It's called Renegade Beauty. I can't remember the author, but we'll link to it in the show notes. And
0: it is just so incredible and talks about how, like, it basically goes through the different elements, like uh, sun, water, et cetera, et cetera, and talks about like the toxins in our environment and then things that we can do to be proactive about. Um, and then also about like, uh, avoiding toxins, but also using these elements to help to bring ourselves more health and wellness. And she talks a lot about the sun and I just, I find it magical and fascinating. And just like we were saying before, it's like, you need to respect the sun, but we also need to embrace it and not be afraid of it, but then, you know, have that mutual that. Yes. So, yes.
1: And it's I love it. Let's do a, a sun
0: episode. Yeah, <laughs>
1: we should totally do that. And just a note on that, like we this is, this is stuff we're passionate about. And whether, you know, you, like, are into Beauty Counter or not, like, this holistic wellness, and that is not just food and not just movement. It's what you're putting on your body, what you're putting on your skin. It's the environment um, taking care of our planet and, therefore, taking care of our future generations, like, as mothers or, you know, not mothers. I mean, just for, for people down the line, like, this is a huge just – it's not just a one thing that you do to be healthy. There's many things. And I I hate, like, I don't want people to get overwhelmed with all the many things that you can do, but I do think, like, there are little changes you can make in all aspects of these areas that will make a huge impact on your health and your kids. And, oh, another update, the epigenetic stuff. People have been asking me a lot about that. Um, On that note, it kind of led me into that. But, um, you know, we are born with a certain genetic composition, but that doesn't mean that we're doomed to have XYZ because of our genetics. Like there's a powerful, powerful, powerful interplay between genetics and our environment and the things that we do. And so you're not helpless. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is important and important for future generations. That's it. That's my soapbox. (laughs) I love it. And if you guys
0: haven't listened to the episode on dirty jeans with Ben, Dr. Ben Lynch, um, I cannot recommend it enough. It is fascinating. I've already listened to it twice, gotten really good feedback on that one. Um, And I love how you put it like, it's not doom and gloom. If you're scared because of the title of dirty jeans, like whether your jeans are clean or dirty, I don't love that name for his book. I'm going to be honest, but I think that the information he provides is not doom and gloom. It is so empowering. So I love it. Evie has MTHFR, she's got two different snips and for me listening to that I was like rock on with my bad self like I'm doing a good do job that. supporting yeah. her you know and I, and myself like I know that I have at least one and I, I've never felt better in my entire life and so I think that I look at it as we get the information and then we're empowered with that information not um, climbing into a bubble and there also is no perfect because stress is such a huge part of it so if you make little efforts on a daily basis to uh, protect your health and your headspace and your body and your planet little things matter it doesn't have to be perfect perfection in every aspect you know yeah it's just being aware it's empowerment it's not fear that's the thing the biggest thing that i could say is that it's it's all about feeling empowered with information not feeling afraid or
1: scared by the information absolutely totally amen
0: cool (laughs) amen sister um and then also supporting ourselves with you know, supplements and real food. And like, there's so many things that we can bring into our lives to make us feel well and not just, well, not just like walking around saying status quo, like we, I've learned over the past 10 years, how good I can feel, but also that I was walking around for years feeling meh and thinking that was my normal. And so I, I love now constantly striving to see like, what can I do, um, to make myself continue to feel even better through the way that I Self-care, basically. Um, and one of those things right now is the Four Sigmatic Mushrooms, which, quick announcement here, uh, we are now sponsored by Four Sigmatic, which is Yay. huge. We love them. I, You guys, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I post about them all the time. And it wasn't like, hey, they reached out to me, do you want to use our stuff and share it? It was like, hey, I started using this stuff just to try it out. I love that it's a, like, ancient, holistic, medicinal, real food that I can add to my day. And I noticed within the first time of trying <clears throat> lion's mane specifically that my brain was just like on, it was just, it was amazing. It was on, turned on. And so I've been using them every day. I've tried all the different ones. Um, we'll talk more about this in a future episodes, but man alive, this stuff is so good. Um, the lion's mane is great for brain health. The chaga I use for immunity, especially when I'm traveling, the rishi's great for chilling out. Um, cordyceps is a nice energy boost and then they make different blends like coffee blends so when I travel I just take the coffee packets and those have whatever you want, there's like a stress relief adaptogen one, there's a cordyceps one, there's a Chaga one, there's a Lion's Mane one and you can just pick and choose because I'm super selective about the coffee I drink because of There's could be weird like molding coffee because it's not a very fairly traded or created product. Oftentimes there's some um, social justice issues behind where the coffee comes from. So I'm very anal about the coffee I drink and I know that I'm getting the benefits of coffee plus the mushrooms. So stay tuned for more on that. But we do have a a discount for you guys, 50% off if you use code modernmamas at checkout. Um, And we're so grateful for the support and we hope that you love the products as much as we do. So that was just a quick aside. And Jess, have you been trying them yet? Or Well,
1: yeah. So I've used them a lot in the past. I just haven't reordered. It's, again, one of those things unless it's on, like, my subscribe and save. Yeah. Like, I just forget. But, no, I had some that I pulled out the other day because I was feeling anxious, right? Like, I, I've shared about that openly. Like, I have anxiety, especially around certain times of the month. And so, um, I popped out my Rishi hot chocolate and whipped up a little nightcap and um it was awesome like i it really does work, and again, and I talked about this today when I was talking about another company that I'm working with. like we don't share stuff that we don't absolutely love and that have really impacted our lives, and I would say. Um, For Sigmatic is definitely one of those things that can help a lot of people, and personally, like it does help me. It really does. It's not, and it's also important to note that it's not
0: stuff like these, these supplements and stuff that we talk about. Paleo Valley, For Sigmatic, the companies we love and cherish and use on a daily basis—they are a supplement. So mm-hmm. they're not band aids. You can't like go eating sugar all day long and inflammatory oils and ton- you know, and just not taking care of yourself, these are an additional Mm -hmm. form of self-care to a life that you're already, I mean, you know, sometimes like, life gets super stressful and things happen, of course, but if you're living in like chronically stressed and, um, chronically stressed and not necessarily eating well and whatnot and not moving your body, like these aren't going to be a cure-all, but they're Mm -hmm. such an impactful addition to an already mostly healthy, holistic style of life. And so for me, I started taking the mushrooms a couple of months after I cut sugar and like the combination of the two is just like, oh, I feel so good. But if I were to go for the next month and eat sugar every single day and grains, which now I know really don't serve my body well, the mushrooms would not have the same power in my life as they do now because yeah. the mushrooms are coming into an already like properly functioning system. Yeah. So we talk about these things because they're helping to supplement our lifestyle and they're a part of our lifestyle, they're a part of our self-care, but they are not a band-aid because Absolutely. that's what pharmaceuticals are for. And
1: yeah. we try to avoid us. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because, like, as you're talking, I'm just thinking of, like, all this fun stuff to share. Like, the Four Sigmatic, at first I was like, I don't have anything to share. But then it's like, wait, oh, my gosh, like, all this amazing stuff has been happening. So the Four Sigmatic stuff, um, and it just, like, escaped me. Do you, I love sharing these codes that we get, like, because I feel like people are always like, oh, I want to try that because – but I have never been able to do it. Maybe it's not in their budget, or maybe they need an incentive to like jump on a a product that we've been talking about for months and months and months. Another, I'll share my. I just uh, got a code for uh, Primally Pure. Like I know that Laura, you've been using their deodorant. Um, are you not yet, yet? Okay, so you've I tried, tried it, it for a couple days. Yeah, right. And so the big thing, like about like finding safer natural products, sometimes like they don't work or. Um, you know, with deodorants. Like, that's a quest that everybody's on. It's like a safer natural deodorant. And it's always like, it worked, but it gave me a huge rash because I'm sensitive to baking soda or whatever. Primal Pure is amazing. Um, we use it. Tim actually was super skeptical. He uses the charcoal one now, and he's like, it actually works. And he is like a sweaty man, like CrossFits, all that stuff. So if you guys want to try that, um, now till the end of May, you can use Just10, uh, the code just 10 for um, a discount. So that's for you guys. I know you've been like loving your dry farm wine stuff. Yeah. Just all those, those brands that we know and love that, like we want to share with you guys. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'll get to some more of the dry farm stuff. Cause it kind of plays into one of the questions that we got, but okay. um, my update, my biggest update is um, regarding Evie and Sleek. Um, so those of you guys who have been following me on Instagram, you see that I share all the time about um, what I'm feeding her, because that's a daily thing that I'm just like, it's fun to share as I go, but the sleep stuff, um, it's just not so much, I, I prefer to share that here with this tribe versus like just for everyone to see, because it's constantly a work in progress and constantly an ebb and flow, and for me, that's a little bit more intimate. Um, I feel like a lot of people can learn. Also, I feel as though the stuff that I share in terms of the way that we're feeding Evie, I feel like- People appreciate because they're learning a lot. Um, something I feel very confident in. And the sleep stuff, I know from almost all parents, it's always like, am I doing this right? Quote unquote, right. Am I doing this? Like, is it who, what's going to be best for every, all parties, you know? And so we are bed sharing with Evie and it has been actually pretty incredible. I love, she's the most cuddly kid I, I have ever come across. She's the only kid I've ever shared a bed with, but um, <laughs> she's so snuggly and so sweet. And so We had her in her own crib from like, I think like months four to seven or something. And then, and then we've been traveling. So so a few reasons why we bed share. First off, I actually really enjoy it. I feel for us that it works. I feel that there's something, um, kind of primal about it. I feel as though at this stage in her life, it's what makes the most sense, um, on an emotional level. And so she also got six teeth all at once. And so when that happened, she was waking up every forty-five minutes in so much pain. And the only thing I because of her MTHFR and some of the research I've done, I'm not really willing to give her pain medication. We've done the camellia, like homeopathic drops um, and whatnot, and that takes the edge off, but and the necklace, but in terms of like when she was had she cut three teeth in one night, like all the way through in one night, and then got three more within the next week. And it was just it was intense. And so uh, what worked best for all of us is to pull her back in bed, and I'm, and silver lining is that I'm so glad that that happened because I've loved sharing our bed with her for this phase of life, um, especially with all the traveling. Anywhere we go, she just it's very easy for her because her sleep is not really that disruptive because she lays down next to me and or Rusty, and that's home for her. So in any case, one thing that has gone on since then is I've gotten in the habit of giving her the boob. Frequently, basically, anytime she wakes in the night, I'll just I'll put her on the boob, and she will. It's so easy because she'll nurse for like five minutes and go right back to sleep. But as of late, what I'm realizing is, first off, my body's a little bit like eh, because I'm sideline her, and there'll be nights where it's like there's nights where she'll wake up one time, and then there's other nights where it's like five, and uh, she's almost eleven months, and I think what I've realized as of late is I woke up like man. I'm tired and, um, I don't know what to do. What am I, you know, should I get her out of the bed? Should I? And, and when you're in a state of like fatigue, at least for me, I'm like, she's out, you know, but then by noon, I'm like, I don't want her to be out. <laughs> so what I realized that the first step is that, um, my, my headspace was first, like I need to make sure I'm taking care of myself and my husband and our relationship and whatnot and that we need sleep. And so for me, I was like, I'm ready to night wean. And then through the process of trying to sort out how that was going to look for us, I realized, Oh my God, I have not been letting my child cry at night, and she's so happy during the day and not a cry baby at all.
1: <laughs> and so
0: I was like, eh, she's happy. She's content. She's well adjusted, whatever. Like, and I, all of a sudden I realized I have not been really practicing aware parenting, which has been such a huge part of our journey with her because in the middle of the night when she wakes up, I just nurse her because that's what's easiest. Um, and so we have had the past three nights in a row. Now. Um, I've been, it's been a beautiful transition actually. So the, she's typically waking at, I'll put her at about like eight, seven or 30 right. And then we'll get into bed at like 10 and she'll wake then. And usually we'll kind of wake her when we get in bed and I'll nurse her. And then she'll sleep usually till about on like a good night till about two and she'll wake again and then I'll nurse her. And then usually she'll wake again around like five and I'll nurse her. Um, And so I kind of decided like, hey, I'm going to try and just wean her off one of those. So the first night we get in bed and also my plan was to let her cry. So the first night she actually woke when we came into the room and I let her cry and cry. And she's not like a screamer. So this is what's hard for me is that she'll cry and then she'll like settle down and like be almost asleep. And then she'll cry again. And this is so reminiscent of her newborn stage. She did the same exact thing. And at that stage, I was so tired that it was like hard but now I'm like this is you like now I'm, I'm getting a better feel for how she processes and so the first night I let her we should probably cried for around 10 or 10 30 she probably cried for about 40 minutes off and on dozing waking up crying and then finally I was like okay I got my threshold so I nursed her she fell asleep and slept and she woke up again at the two o'clock time and um so basically what I've been doing is slowly weaning her off. And so the first night I nursed her at 10, didn't nurse her at two, let her cry. She fell up asleep, nursed her in the morning. Then last, then the, basically last night was the best yet. Um, she did not even wake up when we came to bed, slept all the way through that, woke up at about 2.30 and <clears throat> cried. And I was like, it was so interesting over the course of the past three nights. Now this past night, I was so comfortable with her cry. The first night I was not. And this past night I was like, uh, this feels good to me, too. like I felt comfortable with her crying. I felt like her cry was so productive it was so it was such a beautiful thing where we both kind of remembered what it was like to be there and to feel our feelings and um so she woke up about two thirty, cried off and on, off and on, and then fell back to sleep and then woke up at like five thirty and then and I could tell at that point she was actually hungry. She hadn't eaten, she hadn't nursed since like eight seven thirty eight when I put her down. So we went, that was the long stretch we've gone in such a long time. And it's like, she's remembering how to that. Or I'm remembering how important it is for her to be able to cry. And most babies feel most vulnerable and are going to have the biggest cries in the middle of the night from what I've learned and read and talked to Eliza about. So it's just been so cool. And she's already super content, but the past few days she's been even just like happier. So we went to our, if you guys don't follow the tribe life, they are pregnant with their third baby. Um, they've come on one episode. We'll link to that episode, but we they did a gender reveal yesterday, and it was so fun. And there's all these kids running around everywhere. And that kid was on the floor for. We got there like 4:45. We left about 7:45 or 8. And no, we left at 8:30. And she was on the ground the whole time, happy as could be, giving like she's learning how to give high fives. And I was so for me seeing that. Whereas she might have gotten overwhelmed in a, a week ago. And so I'm seeing the results of allowing her to cry at night firsthand in her day to day now. Um, she's napping easier and just like so content to just be on the floor. And I know she's getting some more teeth right now, but it's not facing her as much. And so it just it feels so good. And I like I guess what I want to say is that the first night was really hard for me. So many times I almost put her on. And then finally I just did nurse her because I was, I knew that I had to be in the right headspace, and I wasn't anymore. Um So just know that like I'm going through it too. If you're there and you're having trouble with sleep and we actually have a sleep question that we're going to kind of transition to next, but um, it's not, it doesn't come easy to everybody. And my kid is from what I've been told and from what I've learned, she's a pretty easy kid and still sleep is hard. And it's one of those things where it's like, society tells us one thing, like your, your 11 month old should be in her own bed or in her own crib, in her own room, whatever, whatever. And like, for me, what feels right is co-sleeping. I'm not ready to give that up and nor is my husband, which I never expected. Um, but I also know for myself and also for her and for him that I am not willing to nurse all night or throughout the night anymore. And since making that decision, we're all sleeping better. She's more content. She's Getting the opportunity to express herself and it's just been very cool so 11 months down the road i had kind of forgotten you know if she fusses during the day we're always like it's okay to cry we we let her do it but then we I'd forgotten the importance of nighttime crying and how that's and you know each night of the past three or four nights it's progressively gotten less and less and her cries are like less frantic and more just like I'm kind of frustrated I'm dealing with I saw a lot today and it's like she's just kind of talking to us Um, and so it just, it feels so good to get back there. So if you need a refresher, we've got a couple amazing episodes with Liz Wolf and Eliza on Aware Parenting. I'll link to those as well, but that's where we are in our journey. And, uh, I just, and then it's good to know that like, Hey, if we are traveling and I'm in a hotel and I'm sharing a room with two other women, like in Minneapolis, like I have my boob and, or if I'm on an airplane and it's okay to nurse sometimes for the benefit of the, of the situation but then I know exactly within a day or two I can get right back on to okay we're going to cut back a little bit and hopefully um after this week of night weaning uh that'll just be the normal and she'll you know so it's cool and it's it's so we're it's a constant ebb and flow and we're constantly learning and um so that's where we're at in terms of the sleep journey and it feels really good to have the tools to be able to allow her to express and to also know that I can night wean and still bed share like I didn't know that was a thing but it totally is. And after just three nights, she slept through. I mean, she woke up once and cried, but I didn't have to nurse her. And she wasn't even going for my boobs. She just sat there and fussed and cried and then went back to sleep. So that's my that's my update on the, the motherhood front. Hi, friends. Laura here with some exciting news for Sigmatic. Has come on as a Modern Mamas podcast sponsor. We are so excited. If you've been following along with my Instagram stories, especially, you've seen that I use this stuff every single morning. The Lion's Mane Elixir is my absolute favorite. I add it to my boosted coffee for an extra boost of brain clarity, productivity, and focus that I genuinely did not experience until I started adding this in every day. They also make other elixirs like reishi for calming, cordyceps for an energy boost, and chaga for an immune boost. Along with those elixirs, they also have really cool blends. I love the lion's mane and coffee blend when I travel because I don't have to worry about getting my hands and lips on high-quality coffee. I have it ready to go. All you need is hot water. You mix in the blend and you're set. They have caffeine caffeine-free options as well, like a chai latte and a turmeric latte for gut health and skin glow, and they have all kinds of incredible blends. I cannot recommend enough that you go check out their website, find whatever mushroom blend is is going to fit with your lifestyle, and give it a try. The awesome folks at Four Sigmatic have offered our listeners, you guys are special, you get 15% off any order. If you go to foursigmatic.com forward slash modern mamas, or simply type in modern mamas, all lower case all one word at checkout you get 50% off check it out
1: see what fits your life and happy shrooming uh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah. I love I love hearing it and I think we've talked about this before but it's like people get so caught up in like I'm an aware parent or I cry it out or I sleep train or I do oh, this I this is who oh, I, I am it's like I was there. I was there I mean no judgment but like I it's so much easier when you release all of those expectations that are not your own or even the ones that you think you have for yourself that aren't working for you in any way, shape or form, you release that and you just do what feels right. Um, it's just freeing. Like, and I can see you and you're like, you just, I can see you're happy and you are content with where you are. And like, it's just beautiful. Thank you. And it feels good. And, and you
0: know, I was laying there the first night, like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And also I was like, just tr- listen, trust yourself, trust your kid. You know what you're doing. We've been doing this for centuries. <laughs> like wow. it's, it's okay to just do what feels right. And for us, like I really, I do the where parenting stuff really resonates with Rusty and I, um, but we're doing our own, you know, making it our own and treating our daughter as a unique soul and a unique person. And, uh, it's totally working the way that we're, we're doing this. So I'm, I'm sure get... there'll be more tough roads, tough well, weeks. Yeah. down the road, but.
1: Things change, and I'm interested to see who your next kiddo is, like, you know, because it's like, that's going to be hard, too. That's hard for me, as even with expectations of how Bear was very challenging for me because of our personalities. Um, you know, and I went in with so many expectations of Camille and they're different people. They're just completely different. Um, and I think keeping that perspective and, and not putting, even when they're po- it's a positive expectation, like, we got this. We are, like, awesome aware parents. Like, this is our jam. And then maybe maybe it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know? to be honest,
0: I don't know if I'm doing aware parenting to a T. Like, yeah. I'm taking what I've heard and garnered from other people and friendships and Liz and Eliza and you and like all these people in my life and I'm taking and one of my good friends, Jordan here locally, like she's the one that brought the idea to my mind. Like I can night wean and still bed share. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, that is what fits <laughs> for us. You know? Yeah. And it's like, it's amazing. Just you, you learn from each other. And that's what I think one thing our society is missing. And that's why there is so much dogma is because I think as a people, we are so desperately seeking out a tribe. Because we were designed to raise tiny humans in a tribe. And so people take these dogmatic like parenting styles and they see that, oh, here's an opportunity for me to have a tribe of people who agree. But really, I think what would be more ideal is if we find our tribe based on people that we share similar relationships and ideals and whatnot, and we get a whole eclectic mix of parenting styles, and we pick and choose and feel and find support to figure out what's best for us as individuals and for our children, not try to follow a set of rules because that's what we think our tribe wants of us. And so that's where the, the dogma stuff kills me. I think it's a desperate attempt to find a tribe when we could be looking for more personal relationships and build that tribe, um, through people. It doesn't have to be in person. Even it could be through social media, but, um, through, and it's okay to disagree on things and have conversations and that's when to you not learn the
1: most right? exactly like mm-hmm. that's your challenge to like, maybe an ideal that you've held as like absolute truth for so long that it's just like, you can't let it go, but it's not working for you, but it's like, it's who you are. And then someone comes along and they offer a alternative and you're like, I don't know about this, but then (laughs) you're challenged to think outside of like your expectation and your experience. And like, Maybe it's true. Like maybe there's some truth to that and maybe you learn something from it. I mean, I know- There's so much growth potential there. Yeah, yeah, from personal experience, that's absolutely true to me.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. I think yeah. that I've never grown so much as a human being <laughs> since becoming a parent and realizing that the best thing I can do for my daughter is to listen to other people mm-hmm. um, and to not be dogmatic and to go with the flow and to learn, like take every opportunity I can to learn, but also to trust myself. So listen to other people, but ultimately it comes back to, trusting your gut. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm at in our sleep journey. And the food stuff has been a blast. I will say she ate probably a full quarter cup of salmon eggs this morning. (laughs) That's awesome. And then a runny egg yolk with paleo Valley organ complex. And then she just, and then frozen blueberries and coconut yogurt. She's just like pounding food. I can't believe how much she's eating. And I think that also helps with the nighttime stuff is she's eating more at dinner and taking in way more food. And, um, I love it. So, The food stuff, if you guys are interested, follow me on Instagram and I have a story highlights called Evie's Eats. And you can go all the way back to like five months when we started. And it's been a really fun journey. Um, And also reality is that like yesterday morning, last night I tried to feed her some sardines. That morning she had eaten a bunch of sardines and was like super into it. And then that evening I tried and she wanted nothing to do with it. So like she doesn't eat everything I plop in front of her and she is more in tune with her body than any adult I know. And so when she doesn't want a food, I'm, I don't force them I'm like, okay, if you're not interested, that's fine. So yeah,
1: yeah. And that's like, I haven't been sharing very much about our kids' food because um Camille pretty much is refusing everything that I put in front of her right now. So it's not super exciting, but like, that's the thing. And she goes through cycles as well, where she's like, give me everything, the sauerkraut, the olives, the like. I mean, she was eating, like, a watermelon radish the other day. It's, like, super spicy, and she was, like, loving it. Oh, no, and then no. some days she's like, I only want pancakes. <laughs> so it's
0: like, I don't and, know. And right, that's, she probably needs more carbohydrate
1: on those yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, we, and we offer, we offer her. Every dinner is a mix of what we're eating regardless. I, we try not to, like, force the food, even though we're, like, internally, like, oh, my God, she hasn't eaten anything for, like, three days, anything of substance. But teaching her – to follow her right. intuition while still offering healthy things is also very hard.
0: Yeah. But and also important. environment for us. I feel like the thing that works the best right now is to let her, she just wants to be moving. So Evie's on the floor in the kitchen. If you've seen her, she's like sealing around the floor. art, uh, And uh, we just feed her bits of what we're making while she's on the floor. And that's when she eats the most. So sometimes we put her in a little seat, but sometimes it's on the floor and it's just like, I don't know, once again, like not, succumbing to what you should or should not be doing and just listening to your kid and your gut I think is huge so
1: also just from a tip from a mom of toddlers if you call anything a snack
0: <laughs>
1: they're more likely to eat it
0: it's so like funny. oh
1: look at this chicken breast snack that I made <laughs> or like look at this asparagus snack and you cut it up in little pieces it's like oh yay it's a snack. It's not on good. it. Yeah. That's awesome. So funny. Anyway.
0: And then berries, if you freeze them for whatever reason, I don't know if this is just my kid, but freezing berries, uh, she is more likely to eat them. So yes. I'm sure. It it's weird that sense. I feel like coerce my kid to eat fruit because I know that's not especially normal, but um my kid likes uh the other stuff more most of the time. Yeah. Anyways, uh <laughs> Okay, let's talk about since we were kind of on the topic of sleep. Um, There is a question I think we should. It would be great to answer, and we can do this like kind of shorthand. We talked a lot about sleep already. There's a whole sleep episode that I'll link to as well. Um, But here's the question: Wondering if Jess has thoughts on sleep training. I've kind of integrated a modified version of cry in arms previously, but this combined with co sleeping led to 30 minute, one and a half hours to 30 minutes to one and a half hours of trying to get our 11 month old down for naps and at night. That's a lot of the day. (laughs) Last week I cracked open the book. The Happy Sleeper, approved by Dr. Dan Siegel, uh, who's an attachment researcher, and she's falling asleep in five minute window within a five-minute window now. We feed, sing, mas- uh, massage, say, night-night, mama loves you, and walk out of the dark room, baby in crib. The crying when I leave the room is still killing me, but she's out within two minutes. Any thoughts on this style versus the cry-in-arms method? I'm conflicted. I still have her cry with me much of the time. The book says to go back in if she's still crying in five minutes, but it's never gotten that far. Am I doing okay or will she need therapy? <laughs> and I want to say first that we can all use therapy. Yes, so, the Therapy is not a negative yes. thing. Yes. She um, will need therapy, but you're also doing okay.
1: Yes. So yes and yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like this one is, we, you kind of answered it just by sharing your experience. I mean, it sounds like this mama is questioning something that I think she knows the answer to. I think she knows right but it's again like seeking like that outside validation from quote-unquote experts which we're not we're, we're sharing our experience but um you know she is allowing her kiddo to process feelings she's present um and I think a lot of times sleep issues do come down to like emotional needs and and needing to process and all that good stuff which is very aware parenting and very attachment parenting style but also I just think it's The truth, (laughs) whether you label it aware parenting or attachment parenting or not. Um, And so I would just say, you're doing a great job. She, I don't think there's any problem. I I just don't see that that there's an issue that needs to change. And um, she seems like, the, the baby seems like she's falling asleep relatively quickly. Now, on the other hand, if she was like screaming, crying, freaking out for like an hour, making herself throw up, or even for 20 minutes, like if it's something that It just in your gut doesn't feel right. Like, okay, maybe let's try a different approach, but I say it It sounds great. I mean, I don't know what your two cents are, but
0: I think it's just so individually based. Like I don't know her kid. I don't know her. So it's a hard question to answer without like seeing things. And even if I did see things, I wouldn't know any better than she does as a mom, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I wonder what the cry, like you said, like, I wonder what that cry is like. Is it like, yeah. eh, or is it like bloody murder scream? I imagine if she's falling mm-hmm. asleep within two minutes, it's not a frantic yeah. scream cry. Yeah. So it might be just a fussing. And like, we've gotten to the point with Evie where like, sometimes kids just fuss. And maybe mm-hmm. that's how she, she's maybe just processing for a couple of minutes. And then mm-hmm. if she's falling into a peaceful sleep within two minutes, I cannot imagine it's that, that she's very stressed out. Yeah. But I don't, I can't say for for Yeah. But that's Same. my feeling on it. Um, and, you know, like the, I, I feel as though, like, you know, you, you did a lot of justification, like, telling us it's approved by Dr. Dan and whatnot. And when I think what it comes down to is like, you don't need to justify to anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't feel as though you need to prove what you're doing is right to anybody else is it working for you and your daughter and mm-hmm. that's what matters and who gives a shoot if it you know if anyone else what anyone else thinks yeah. and i think that's one you know going back to the whole dogma thing that we we're talking about that's so frustrating is as moms we know what's best for us and our kids most of the time sometimes we need help and that's also fine but i think we in our hearts know what's right and then are so worried about sometimes what other people think not as our own faults, but because there's no more pressure on a woman I think than in motherhood sometimes and so um I think if it's feeling right for you and if it's working and if she's content during the day and you're giving her chances to cry during the day and I would say keep doing what you're doing it sounds awesome exactly (laughs) like I'm like (laughs) yeah I'm like
1: that sounds great to me like if I were in that same position I'd be like I am killing this like rocking the sleep game she's asleep and everyone's happy and it's just like you said like if she wasn't happy Or, you know, for the most part, most kids are going to let you know through behavior during the day or, you know, frequent night waking at night. Like, I mean, there's there's definitely like some signals and signs that you can look for. But it seems based on the limited information we have about the situation, it seems like it's working for everybody.
0: Yeah, you're rocking it, Mama. Yeah, Um, you go. And yeah, killing it. That's awesome. Killing it. And especially in compare if we're comparing that to co-sleeping with 30 to 90 minutes of trying to get her down at for naps mm-hmm. and at night, like, I mean, it sounds like it's better for everybody. She's getting more sleep, which mm-hmm. ultimately is really important, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. whatever you're doing it seems to be working. And and maybe it's that crying that's actually benefiting her, even though she knows you're right there probably. And so if it was taking her 30 to 90 minutes to get down earlier and now she's falling asleep within two minutes, like to me, that's a sign of a content baby.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. cool. Next question. So, I'm 6 months postpartum and starting to think about really rehabilitating my body and getting back in shape because if I end up trying to have a second kiddo, I want to be in better shape physically and mentally during conception than I was the first time around. Laura, I think that you're thinking ahead to trying for number 2 maybe this year. You know what's funny on that note? Side aside here because my best friend Taz is pregnant and then I have another really good friend who's also pregnant. You have baby fever, don't you? I want to be pregnant so badly. And (laughs) I was miserable for the first half of my pregnancy. I was so sick. But like every part of my body, I think about it daily, wanting to be pregnant. Where a month ago, I was like, I'm good with one. And then I was like, no, I definitely want two, but I'm not ready for a long time. I'm going to wait a whole other year. And now I'm like, wow, when's my period coming back? (laughs) It's crazy. Uh, Biology. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, this question is very relevant to me right now. Um, Is there anything you're doing now? Or that you digest. Prepare yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, I have so much to talk about on this episode. We did a whole um, preconception, our like paths to conception episode, so I will link to that. I think that's a really important one to go back and listen to. But for me, um, the biggest things were um, headspace for sure. So I've been, I saw, started seeing a therapist in like 2013, 2014 because I was in chronic pain, which is now totally gone, and I'm still seeing my therapist every other month. Um she's mindfulness based and she's incredible, and I cannot recommend therapy enough. she just get, helps me to have the tools to I, I call it going in when I get really anxious or overwhelmed or stressed she helps me i now I have all these tools to be able to like slow down and not only does that help me on an emotional level but like it literally changes your whole nervous system to go in be mindful, take a moment, be present um and that not only helped me in terms of like overall health and wellness going into conception, but it's helped me, help me through pregnancy. It helped me through early postpartum. I think genuinely that it's a part of the reason on an epigenetic level that Evie is so chill um, because of my headspace during conception and pregnancy. And I don't know how, Jess could probably speak more to the science there, but I believe that in my heart of hearts. Um, so mindset stuff is first and foremost. Second for me was obviously nutrition. I mean, I started well ahead of time, but I think for a while I was nutritioning too hard. I was like slapping a piece of liver down on the stovetop and just taking it down even though I wasn't enjoying it. So I had to find a place where I'm not just eating food for its nutrient density, but also learning to love food again and use it as a way to love myself because I went from super restricted eating to super restricted eating, but in a different way, just just looking at food as the nutrients in the food, trying to like get my period back. And then I made this switch to all of a sudden... Food is amazing. Food tastes good. Food nourishes. Food, food is a love language. And so, like, kind of recreating and reconnecting my love for myself through what I eat. And then the third thing was movement for me, um, cutting back a little bit on the intensity of training, being more intuitive with the way that I move my body, making sure that I move every single day, but not that I necessarily exercise every single day. So, you know, training hard, pushing it when I felt like it. And then just going for long walks when I didn't feel like doing much more or like working in air squats throughout the day or whatever. So headspace, nutrition, and fitness, those are the biggest things for me that, and now I'm doing the same thing. I'm loving the food I eat. I found what works for me right now. That's a ton of fat and no, I don't have numbers for anybody. I'm not tracking anything. I'm just eating so much fat, so many vegetables. Um, Moderate amounts of really high quality protein and no sugar or grains. Lots of full fat dairy. Lots of dairy for me right now. It's just about finding what works well for you and your body, what makes you feel well, what makes you feel fulfilled and like you're loving yourself and not working super, super hard. Like it shouldn't feel – taking care of ourselves mentally, physically, and nutritionally, I think the best thing to say is it it shouldn't feel like work. It should – if you find your happy place, it should feel like you're in a happy place, not like it's a ton of effort, I guess, so – that's my thought, what about you? Oh, and to segue real quick into the dry farm wine stuff, <laughs> part of this question was, um, cheers, when you were trying to conceive, did y'all totally cut out alcohol or enjoy a glass here and there? I, um, except for when I was nauseous and during pregnancy, I see no problem in having, for me, the quality definitely matters because there's very little regulation in what's in our wine. So I am very particular about the wine I drink, So I'm a huge advocate of Dry Farm, which is lab tested for sugars, additives, chemicals, sulfites, pesticides, all of those things. So it's very low sugar, zero additives. And so I can open any bottle and know that it's good for me and my body. Um, But yeah, like stress is number one. So if having a glass of wine, being social, going out, enjoying time with friends, having friends over, opening a bottle, if that makes you feel good, awesome. If you're drinking as a coping mechanism, let's reconsider. So Why are are you having a glass of wine or alcohol in general? Um, And for me, I I love it. I love the flavor. I love learning about it. I find like viticulture and the winemaking process fascinating. I love the way it tastes. I love the way it complements food. I love having a glass with a friend. And so for me, that's not something that I would cut out because like I said, you got to find your happy place and the life you're living when preconception should be a life that you would live loving on yourself anyways. So that's my thoughts.
1: What about you? So I mean, I'm just like nodding along the whole time you're sharing mm-hmm. your your stuff. Um, I don't have a ton of, end of like separate things to add except for based on my personal experience with um, when I, so with Bear, like it was just motherhood was tough. I thought I did not want to have a baby, another baby after him like ever, 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 ever. It took me like two and a half years to even consider it. Like just the conversation was no, no thank you, not gonna happen. Um, and then something switched on, and me, especially when we stopped nursing, we weaned, um, I just felt more like myself. and I'm like, okay, I can do this. And a big part of me, for me, the it was fear of going through the same traumatic um, birth experience, thinking something was wrong with me, that this is why this happened to me, um, why I had such a hard birth, why I, like, physically was just wrecked, and why... I felt like everything that I was doing was wrong. I'll just be totally honest with you. It was a really dark place. And so to I had PTSD, essentially. Um, to think about going through that again, going through that again, putting not just myself through it again, but my husband and now my son, it was really scary. So for me, I don't know if this particular person had a great, like, you know, I don't know what her experience was, but... To someone who maybe is in a similar boat, I would say therapy, a huge part of the preparation, um, processing that. And for me, it was the thing that finally, I mean, I was already pregnant at this point and I was still processing, like trying to figure out like how to work through all these anxieties. And I just contacted my midwife and hopefully you have a provider that that this is possible but the one who delivered me I just because in your I share this with my in my birth story episode but um you know looking back you have a skewed perception of how things went and why you're like in this primal place and there's emotions there's for me a lot of yelling and a lot of like just really scary feelings feeling out of control Um, and so I just was like okay can we set aside like an hour and you can walk me through what happened and why in your professional opinion and you know just help me process this and she did she held the space for me and she just answered every single question that I had and just it reassured me It, it reassured me and just her feedback and just she was just She was a godsend. It was a beautiful soul to do that for me and walk me through it. Um, So that was huge for me, processing that experience um, to be ready for the next experience and know that it could be the same. It could be completely different. I don't have control. There's only a certain, a very small amount of control that I have, and that's on my mindset. That's the things that I'm feeding myself. That's, you can prepare um, in certain ways as much as you can. But also then, even at the end of the day, relinquishing that you can do all these things, and it still might not go the way that you plan, and that's okay. Like that's okay. That's okay. Um, Because I think there's also a, a flip side to it where, you know, you have super fit, healthy mamas, and they like that. This was me when my first pregnancy. I did everything quote unquote right, and it didn't go right. And so then you have this like, like I'm a failure. Like. I, well, everything that I like believed in is a lie and it's not true. It's just, it's just the way your baby's meant to be born. I'm going off on a tangent here now because I get super passionate mm-hmm. about this. I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of mamas reaching out saying, I'm so glad you shared your story because mine was the same way. And this is how I felt. And you're helping me feel like it's yeah. okay.
0: You know? And I think we put so much, I miss my, I might get tomatoes thrown at me or whatever, but like, I think we put so much into the, importance of the way that the labor and delivery goes. And I think a lot of women don't see past that. to the fact that like, once that baby's in your arms, you're a mom. I mean, you're a mom before that, but like you, then what, like you, you have a child to raise. And if we put so much energy into worrying about this thing that could potentially be, I mean, in many cases, it's it's out of our control. We only have so much control of how that goes. Right. Um, but you have way more control over your health and well-being and strength and mindset going into being a mom and having this newborn and what happens next. And if we put so much energy into this, I have to have the perfect birth, and then it, it can it can never be, quote-unquote, perfect, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And to be in a disappointed state of mind when you have now another life to care for, that's a hard thing. Yeah. So I, when people reach out to I get emails all the time about like, what, what are the best resources that you have for, like, I'm pregnant, now what? the majority of the resources I send are not about labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. They're about motherhood and parenthood and what, what you need to be for that child and for yourself first and foremost, after after you have the baby. Mm-hmm. And I think if we could kind of shift this mindset to like worrying so much about labor and delivery, obviously is important. How the baby comes in the world does matter, but there's so many tools we have as parents to help ourselves and our babies process that experience. And So to get so caught up in worrying about how that day or two or hours or days or whatever goes, when then there's a lifetime afterwards to connect with your child and to take care of yourself. And that, to me, is so much more significant and so much more empowering to think about all the tools that I have to be a mom versus all the tools that I have to try and make this physical act go the way that I think it should, quote unquote should based on mm-hmm. what someone else told me it should be. So, yeah. and I kind of went into labor and delivery that way a little bit. Like I, this is what I love. This is what I feel my body is going to do, but also like, if not, I'm still going to be a mom and I can't speak to how, it, how my headspace would have been had it gone another way. But, um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel for moms who, um, are so, worried about how that, that specific event goes when then there's like so much to come after, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know, absolutely. That's my thoughts on that. But
1: I wanted to also, um, I know, uh, like I said, the mental part is huge. And then I wanted to chime in and I'm not an expert by any means. I plan to become one at this point, um, invested in the knowledge, but talking about epigenetics and everything that I've learned about, the power that we have over expression of, you know, mutations and and things like that. I, I say it not to, like, overwhelm people and be like, oh, my God, I have to go get genetic testing. Because there are plenty of resources out there, like Dr. Lynch's book, to where it's, like, you can do some very general lifestyle things to, like, set yourself up. And your kiddos, and your kiddos' kiddos, because it's crazy how epigenetics works, especially with women, um, for, like, optimal health and wellness, I guess. I, I, I don't know. And I'm going to dive deep deeper into it, which is why I almost didn't want to mention it, but like your partner as well, um, you know, the lifespan of a, a male sperm is like 72 days. And so epigenetic, like li- environmentally and lifestyle, what you are doing, what your partner is doing within that 72, pa- 72 day period, um, the sperm is alive and which, when you get pregnant, it can like be important and it may not be as important if you don't have a history of stuff in your family, but like say you do have a history of of Alzheimer's or MTHFR, you know, is like a common thing. Like there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, So maybe just taking charge of your own health and making sure that you're set up Mm -hmm. optimally to support another life. I mean, I think someone asked
0: Rusty that in his episode, the rest of the episode about like, what did you do to prepare? And he was like, I, we had, that's a conversation we for sure had. And so mm-hmm. he had tried to set himself up in the year prior to like yeah. be in his best fitness and eating well and whatnot. So I think it's fascinating the, the power we have, but like you said, it's empowering hopefully and not,
1: not um, overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's where I'm, I'm hoping to create a program or some way to work with people to where it's like very easy because I don't have time for like 25 supplements and like all these different programs and sleep hacks and stress hacks and all that stuff like it should be fairly straightforward so hopefully one day in my spare time I'll be able to put out some information that's very digestible for like the modern mama So
0: awesome. Yeah. On that note, I feel like that's such a good place to wrap. Yeah. And what's really exciting is our next episode is going to be of us catching up is going to be one year of the modern mama's podcast. And we are so excited. So stay so tuned for nice. that one. And in the meantime, we'll have great guests and we're so grateful to have you guys here. Um, you can find me at Laura radical roots and just Jess at just Hold the space. And you can email us at modern mama's podcast at gmail.com. And we will try and get back to you in a timely manner. but we have a lot going on and we love you. And there's also the Facebook tribe. So if you have like specific questions, um, that's a great place to reach out. I got on there actually yesterday and was like, Hey guys, I peed on an ovulation stick and I don't know what this means. And I got so much incredible feedback and so much support. So, um, I just love it. So if you haven't checked that out, do. And in the meantime, enjoy your week or day or weekend or
1: whatever you're doing. And, uh, we're grateful to have you. Awesome. Thanks guys. All right, talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.